Why pay more for a separate CoQ10 supplement? Enjoy twice the benefits with Superbeats Heart Choose Advanced from the number one doctor, pharmacist, and cardiologist recommended beet brand for heart health support. The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced by Human is now infused with CoQ10. That's essentially like getting CoQ10 for free. Our powerful blend of beetroot, grapeseed extract, and CoQ10 ingredients support nitric oxide production, healthy blood pressure, healthy CoQ10 levels, and heart-healthy energy with two tasty chews a day. Plus, Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced are plant-based, so you get heart-healthy energy without stimulants. For a limited time, get a free 30-day supply of Super Beats Heart Chews on all bundles and 15% off your first order by going to RadioBeats.com and using promo code DEAL. That's RadioBeats.com, code DEAL. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Hey, hey, welcome back, everybody. It is the Announcer Schedule Podcast, episode number 36. Here we go, 36 of these bad boys as we're set to bring you another look at the Announcer Schedule Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Gill, Phil DeMont Mollen. He is the face and the voice behind the Twitter handle at Announcer. Excuse me. I'm having some trouble after the Super Bowl, Phil. At Announcer Skeds. And, of course, uh, we got all your announcer schedules, uh, news and notes. And, man, it was a crazy week last week. We gave you a couple different episodes from Radio Row. We're back. Don't forget, like, rate, review, subscribe. Uh, Last Word on Sports is where you can find us. Those guys are doing a great job. Uh, TJ's got his media show. George Offman, tell me a story I don't know. So you get all the media consumption you want on one feed phil what's happening man ah uh, nothing much you know um sort of in this transition as we we move on from you know the nfl season and into the, the sports coming up this spring and more importantly how are you doing i mean you, you're the one who's been you know who's in radio row had to you know uh uh, enjoy the, the the Super Bowl atmosphere, but that's a lot of excitement and a lot of energy expended as well. It was. It was a great time. Got to talk to a lot of people down there. We had Gene Steratore on, Miguel Gerwitz and Rolando Cantu. Those guys were great. If you missed those three conversations, we have one with Gene, Miguel and Rolando. They're on a separate feed, um, so you can listen to both of those interviews. I actually had um, – uh, Kevin Harlan on the radio show with me, and he's a fan of announcer schedules. And he says, I got to get on the pod. So we're going to have Kevin Harlan coming up in the future. Uh, he, he was, uh, it was a fun conversation on the radio with Kevin. He called the Super Bowl, of course. So uh, people are listening to the pod. The biggest names in the, the announcer world, Phil, are listening to the pod. Yeah, when you get a shout out like that from from Kevin Harlan, doesn't get much better than that. He, of course, was the play by play announcer on the Westwood cover Westwood one coverage once again of the Super Bowl. Gene Steratore, who was our guest from Radio Row, was part of that production as well. And, you know, you mentioned Mikhail, Miguel Gerwitz and Rolando Cantu. You know, they're the, the Telemundo voices, the Spanish voices for the NFL when the, the games are on 
Telemundo, which is, you know, part of, you know, the NBC umbrella. So they do the Sunday night games. They also did the the Amazon Prime games this past year. And then they'll have the Super Bowl for the 2025 season. The Super Bowl played in January of 2026 when the rights go back to NBC and Telemundo. Yeah, so uh, let's get into what we saw in the Super Bowl. It was Burkhart, Greg Olson, Aaron Andrews, Tom Rinaldi, Mike Pereira. Their first go at the Super Bowl for Burkhart and Olson as the number one team on Fox. And everybody was wondering, all right, was Greg Olson going to have his Drew Brees moment and kind of freeze up. Well, anything but. I thought Olsen knocked it out of the park. I really enjoyed his commentary throughout the night in a lot of different areas of that game with many different things that happened in the game that really needed to be discussed. The only thing I would say, I wish I would have heard from Olsen more, the field was in such bad shape that I wish he would have really discussed as a player what that field conditions could have done, what it meant to that game. That was because I think that field really tarnished what was a great Super Bowl. Yeah, in, interesting points, and, and you're right. I mean, from all indications, and you know, you know, following social media chatter and uh, you know columns written after the Super Bowl and that kind of thing, everyone applauding Greg Olson's work once again. You know, we've been talking about it, you know, several several weeks in a row here. You know, as far as you know his coming out party this season. Kevin Burkhardt as well, getting some some high grades from folks. Full disclosure for me, Mike, I didn't watch the entire game live, uh, you know, and it's kind of interesting. Like, I check out a little bit when it comes to these big events. They're almost like too much. It's like it's, it's overstimulating for me. And, you know, I'm more into a, you know, random uh, weeknight of late night, college hoops from the West Coast or something like that <laughs> it would be the Super Bowl or the national championship game in college football and that kind of thing. You know, one thing I do every every Super Bowl is I post the counter programming that's going on on the other stations. And it's not just because I'm doing it for kicks. Like I'm literally flipping the dial around because it's just too much for me, man. And um, so I'll watch it at some point on, on an NFL network replay or something like that in its entirety. But I didn't see the whole thing. I tuned in at the end, saw, saw the, the drama. I know it was one of the best Super Bowls ever. It was a crazy, exciting game and all these things. But, um, yeah, you know, uh, we'll, we'll have to continue to uh, monitor this Burkhart Olsen situation. And uh, certainly, you know, they, they continue to raise their stock with that performance in the Super Bowl. Yeah, I know, uh, you know, where the announcer schedules a studio announcer, a radio announcer, Mike Greenberg. They were talking about this on the radio when him and his producer, Hembo, were going back and forth about how many people the ratings said watch the Super Bowl. I think it was like 113 million people. And Greeny is saying, I don't believe that number. How are one third of the people? What are the other third, two thirds doing? He said, well, how many people do you think watch the Super Bowl? And Greeny says, well, 250 million. You're one of the two thirds who's not watching the. I found one of the two thirds who's not watching the Super Bowl. Someone who lives and dies by uh, sports television broadcasting, and it's a full time uh, passion of mine. Yeah, I check out with these these big events. The Super Bowl is probably the one I check out the most. Wow. You know, in terms of checking out, as far as like. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna get into the the hype and the the deal. I'm not gonna. Well, go there's to a one Super thing Bowl not party. to get into the pregame for nine hours and all that stuff. But once six, well, it didn't kick off till six forty four. But once the kickoff happens, then you kind of settle back in to the real like a game. 
Yeah, I mean, like I said, you know, we'll get to college hoops in a minute, and there's a night coming up tonight on Thursday night that I'm probably more excited about watching than than the Super Bowl, believe it or not. And, All right. You know, I know the, these might be some some kind of shocking takes or whatever, but yes. hey. I am shocked right now. With. See, people, <laughs> this is something I did not know, that Phil would not have watched the Super Bowl. Uh, of course, I'm an Eagles fan, so uh, the Eagles being in the Super Bowl, I think the field was an absolute disgrace. Uh, I, I think that tainted the whole game, to be honest with you. I think that game would have been so much different had the game been played on a different surface. I mean, that field was unacceptably bad. Um, they didn't talk about it enough. That's the one take I'll get is that Olsen as a former player. Look, this happens. You go to different surfaces. Sometimes you have cleats on and you have to change your cleats because you're not used to their grass or their surface. This happens all the time throughout the regular season where, in fact, Kansas City played Arizona early in the regular season, and they were complaining about Arizona's turf or surface. This was a completely different surface than what Arizona uses during the regular season. They brought this grass in specifically for this game to try it out. It was like a golf grass, some sort of hybrid. And I would have liked to heard Olsen say, yeah, I've played on surfaces where you can't get your footing and it's a problem and it affects this position maybe more than this position because – Somebody had slippage stats, Phil, slippage stats on Twitter. The Eagles slipped on 33% of the snaps, while Kansas City snapped on only like 19%. So why was that? I would have liked to have heard that from Olsen's perspective as a player. Like, hey, I played tight end. It didn't affect me as much because I'm doing this. Whereas the defensive end, I can understand why he's slipping so much because of the position and they're trying to speed so it was a huge factor in the game, and so was a big play in the game. Let's hear how Olsen handled it. I thought him and Mike Pereira had a great back and forth. That's worst-case scenario. You'll see James Bradbury. They're going to say he grabs him. He's got his left hand on his back. I don't know. Mike, listen, I think on this stage, I, I think you let him play. Obviously, Mahomes thought he saw it. I think, I don't know, I think you let him play, finish this thing out. I don't love that call, Mike. I mean, I think you got to see the whole thing. It seemed to me at the initial break, he grabbed the back of the jersey and pulled it. If we see that, I think that is a hole. All right, so there you go. Um, there's the back and forth. I love the fact that Olsen challenges Pereira. says, I don't like the call. It's okay. Pereira never goes against the refs. He's always agreeing with the refs. But at least Olsen challenged him on it, and I thought it led for a good back and forth. It didn't feel contentious, and Burkhart didn't interject. He just let them kind of go. I thought that was a good moment in the game, but I agree with Olsen. The call in that moment, you you shouldn't make that. As a football fan, you do not want to see that call, and I don't care if it's any team. Dallas Cowboy corner Trayvon Diggs gets called for that hold. I don't want to see that call against him. So I agree with Olsen's analysis as a player's perspective that you don't want that call there. Yeah, I, I think that's really refreshing that that Olsen was you know debating in, in, a, in a sense with Mike Pereira. I think it came up a, a couple other times in the broadcast from, from what I heard and read. You know, oftentimes the, the announcers, when they go to the rules analyst, and we just had Gene Steratore on the, on the show last week, it's just kind of an end all be all, you know, you get the, you get the opinion of the rules analyst and you, you think, Oh, well, they must be right. They're, 
you know, this veteran, former NFL referee and so forth. And there isn't any sort of discussion beyond that, you know, and this was sort of refreshing to hear Olsen say, you know, I, I disagree. Yeah. And, you know, and to have that, that back and forth and, you know, maybe we'll, we'll see this continued evolution of that rules analyst role where maybe there's some more discussions like this rather than just sort of, hey, let's go to the rules analyst and, and hear what he has to say. All right. Thank you, Mike. Well, what's very tough is as a fan, too, you're watching these rules analysts and each one looks at the play differently. So that tells you that these calls are not concrete, and that's what's frustrating is the guy on the field calls it one way. Well, you hope that the guy in the booth will see it his way and say how he sees it. There are some rules analysts that do disagree with the call on the field, right? It doesn't happen all. I don't know that Pereira ever disagrees. You know, I think he always just backs the officials down on the field. Now, in this case, I think it was a penalty in a normal situation. He did hold the jersey. There was a tug. But they weren't calling that all game. I would have liked Pereira to say, hey, you know, sometimes the officials, they let the game kind of go, and sometimes they won't call that if they don't call it all game long. He's just going by the law of the land that there was a tug of the jersey, which there was. But I would like to have heard him kind of give some insight on sometimes the officials, it's like a baseball umpire. If I'm going to give you a half inch off the plate all game, I'm going to keep giving you that half inch. And the pitcher says, I'm going to keep throwing it there. If the umpire doesn't call that penalty in the first quarter, the second quarter, in the third quarter, I'd like to hear Mike Prayer said, hey, sometimes they're going to let them play and they're going to let you get away with that. And the players know that, so they're going to try to, you know, I don't think it was an egregious penalty. They hadn't called it all game, so it turns into an egregious call. Yeah, yeah. No, that, that makes a lot of sense, and it certainly, you know, will, will continue to be debated, and I'm sure, certain it's at the, the ire of a lot of the folks in your part of the world. Oh, yeah, uh, big time. But, uh, hey, it was a good broadcast. I thought Burkhart and Olsen did a really good job. Uh, it'll be interesting to see where they go with Olsen. We know uh, that's going to be a big story, not this year coming up, but next year in 2024 when Tom Brady, and last week on the pod, Phil gave you 10 possibilities for Brady's future. Have you added, subtracted any after Super Bowl 57 uh, of what Brady uh, could do now that you heard? Well, I guess you didn't watch the game. You didn't hear Olsen. He was outstanding. <laughs> I figure he's outstanding. I heard from enough people who who said he's outstanding that I that I, I trust y'all's opinion. And I will watch it uh, eventually, I promise you. Um, it was one of the best Super Bowls in, in the game's history, right, Mike? I mean, like it was that good of a game. It was a excellent game that was marred by a field that was disgraceful. The field was disgraceful. The NFL has not made a comment. They should be front and center and saying how bad the field conditions were, and they should be embarrassed by it. It was an absolute disgrace, that field. I've never seen anything like it on a stage that big. Well, one more on that before we get back to, to Brady. So you you said you would like to have heard more from Olsen on that subject. How much did, did Burkhart address it in he just his play-by-play? Play? In the field you're talking about? Yeah, the field. And then also, was there any reports from the sidelines, guys like Renaldi or Aaron Andrews? Uh, no, but I, I – and, and, and I will say this. Mike Golick, and I might have this sound for you. I might be able to get this sound because um, we played it on my radio show yesterday um, – Mike Golick was on a podcast, and he said the field was disgraceful. 
he was on the field for Westwood one. Correct. And he brought up the fact that the field was in such bad condition and that he was talking to players on the sideline during the game who were commenting on how bad the field was. That's one problem I had with the Fox broadcast is they did not have any commentary that I can recall anyway. I might be wrong if somebody out there listening remembers a moment. I do not remember them going down to the field, having Rinaldi or Aaron Andrews on the field. You know, apparently it was very wet, very slick. And then Ann Rappaport, he was on the Pat McAfee show, and he said after halftime it got even worse when they put the field, the stage for the halftime show on the field, and that trapped a lot of the moisture underneath, and it got worse. Wow. Yeah, it, it obviously was it was a story and it needed to be covered. And it sounds like some folks did. And, you know, the, the Fox broadcasts, uh, I think that's a very fair point that it sounds like they should have focused on it more. Yeah, absolutely. There's no question about it. I thought it was maybe, I don't want to say the story in the game. This was a great game, 35, uh, 38, 35. You had a lot of points. People say, well, there's so many points. How's the field a problem? Well, because the defense couldn't do their job. You know, the defense, there's video out there of – guys slipping just all over the place safety trying to break on a coverage feet sliding out from underneath of them all that kind of stuff so that is one well, area where i thought isn't it the age-old argument mike hey it's the same for both teams yes but the eagles pass rush is more of a speed rush from the outside so those outside guys are trying to go forward the linemen are pushing them and their feet are sliding out from under them Kansas City rushes more up the middle. They are not as, you know, Hassan Reddick had 18 sacks this year. He was almost a non-factor. And he said after the game, go watch the tape. You'll see I beat my guy almost every play, and my feet just kept sliding out from under me. Kansas City doesn't have that level of pass rusher. Now, they had a lot of plays, to be fair, to Kansas City. The running back, he had a hole up the middle, slipped and fell forward. Jarek McKinnon had a, uh, a hole that he ran through, and he slipped. His feet came out from under him. It was both teams, but I think it affected, and I said those slip stats, for whatever reason, Philadelphia slipped 33% of the time and Kansas City 19% of the time. So for whatever reason, Philadelphia was slipping more, and I think that has to do with who their key defensive players are and the positions they play. They did show on the Fox broadcast early in the game that Jalen Hurts changed his cleats. They had a video of his cleats, and they did show that the cleats were changed, but they did not refer to it much. And I got to imagine, the NFL probably did not want them saying, hey, do not comment on the field. Yeah, interesting. Well, um, you know, history and uh hindsight's 2020 but uh yeah that, you know it sounds like it sounds well, like a big you, story that was undercovered did you hear the stories of that the grass and, and what they did i mean they brought that grass in specifically for that game they had been growing it for about two years to get ready for that game they spent eight hundred thousand dollars on that surface yeah and, and a lot of the media did feature stories on kind of the architect of that whole thing and you know the guru can you of, imagine of the, that guy the, sitting in the in a box with potential clients and having them watch that game yeah i what, what a what a hit to his business for unbelievable. sure unbelievable um so that was that i thought the broadcast overall of the game was great but i thought something was interesting and i did not know all this uh, if you follow at announcer Skeds on Twitter, you would have known there was many broadcasts of that game that you had 
probably have heard these announcers but never knew they called the Super Bowl. Yeah, the the world feed, which is, you know, part of the NFL films umbrella, how that's put together was Ian Eagle and Charles Davis. So, you know, the majority of the globe outside of the United States, if you're watching the game in English, you're you're watching Eagle and in, in Davis, which is pretty cool. Um, and then there, there was also something called the ESPN International English feed. This one serviced of all places, Australia and New Zealand. And that was Steve Levy, Lewis Riddick, and Dan Orlovsky, that second uh, Monday Night Football crew uh, behind Buck and Aikman. So that was happening, of course. Obviously, uh, several um, more when you get into other foreign languages and so forth. But kind of interesting to, to, to imagine, you know, those announcers that we're so familiar with and that, that call, you know, NFL action all the time, set up in booths there in, in Glendale and in, in calling the games themselves. So, you know, that, that um, was was worth noting and uh, kind of interesting and, you know, would love to hear more from those guys as far as like, you know, that, that whole experience goes. And, you know, of course there was the Westwood one coverage as well. Yeah. And there was Spanish feeds. I think that was Ricky Ricardo uh, who was on that. So you had multiple different feeds going out all over the place. By the way, I told you, I think last week on the pod, uh, we have some listeners in New Zealand, and they had me on the podcast on their radio show last week. They wanted to talk about Tony Romo's demise. So they so they talk to you, and then they probably listen to Levy, Riddick, and Orlovsky on the international feed. There you go. So uh, yes, there are broadcasts all over the country uh, that are listening, and it's not just the broadcast that we get. All right, let's get a compilation, if you will, uh, on the Super Bowl on how the thing ended. This is Chiefs Radio, Chiefs Spanish Radio, Eagles Radio, Eagles Spanish Radio, and of course Kevin Harlan on Westwood One. Hurts takes the snap. The Chiefs only rushing two on a delay. Clock is going to be out of time, and the pass is going to be underthrown. It's incomplete. It's incomplete. Everyone, everyone who claims the Chiefs' kingdom will raise a banner above the National Football League again for the second time in four seasons. The Lombardi Trophy has a red and gold reflection, a big red reflection. The Chiefs are champions of Super Bowl 57. Cinco, cuatro, tres, dos, uno, se acabó. ¡Lo van a intentar! ¡Es incompleto! ¡Los hizo campeones, señores! ¡Campeones! ¡Del Super Bowl 57! ¡El Super Bowl 57! ¡Es de los Kansas City Chiefs! ¡Campeones! ¡Campeones! ¡Los Kansas City Chiefs! Hurts goes back. He's stepping up. He's looking, still looking. He is launching it deep downfield, and it bounces, and the seconds are gone. And the Kansas City Chiefs have won another Super Bowl. Hurts. Hurts atrás. Hurts va a tirar el pase más largo de su vida. el juego se acabó. Los Kansas City Chiefs son campeones del Super Bowl 57 con el marcador final 
De 38 por 35. The charge line of Philly. Shotgun snap to Hurts. Dropping back. Only one person rushing. Hurts looking, standing still, winding up. Long pass. It lands at the 20. No one is there. Zeros on the clock. It's over. It's over. The Chiefs have won. The Chiefs have won Super Bowl 57. So if you were watching the video of that and got a chance to see it, uh, by the way, we have the Levy call and the Iron Eagle call. We'll play from the international feeds in just a second. The throw comes wildly short. You know why, Phil? Let me guess, Mike. The turf. Hertz slipped on the throw. His front foot just went sliding forward as he threw that ball. And I said, did it hit the wire up top? What happened to the throw? And after the game, you saw that his front foot just slipped right out from under him. So the final Hail Mary pass fell 20 yards short of the end zone. Yeah, um, kind of a rough way to <laughs> end it there. You know, it was. Uh, no doubt about it. But Interesting to hear all those those radio calls. You know, um, Mitch Holtis, who's been doing it a long time, you know, the, the Chiefs radio voice on that Chiefs English call. Chiefs uh, Spanish radio announcer is what we heard next. You could hear their excitement. Oscar Monteroso along with Kike Morales with the Chiefs Spanish radio network. And, you know, we finished up there with uh, – Kevin Harlan and Westwood one. And I know you're familiar with those Eagles voices. Yeah, that was Merrill Reese uh, on the call there. And Ricky Ricardo, who does the Eagles uh, Spanish radio as well. So uh, Merrill Reese, of course, is the dean of play-by-players in the NFL. He is the longest tenured uh, local play-by-play voice. Uh, This is Steve Levy, by the way, on that ESPN international feed. No timeouts left. Chiefs by three. Kansas City really rushing one. Now a second. Hurts will launch it. And it falls harmlessly away, incomplete. And the Kansas City Chiefs celebrate on the field here at State Farm Stadium in Glendale, Arizona. The Kansas City Chiefs are champions of the world. They win Super Bowl 57. It's Kansas City 38, Philadelphia 35. All right, that's Steve Levy there for you. Let's get Ian Eagle, uh, who had the call as well on the international field. Now, yes, you're right. They have that, but it's got to be super quick, and they better make sure they get out of bounds. Look where they're guarding the sidelines. Kansas City up 38 to 35. Hurts. Downfield. It's over. The Kansas City Chiefs are Super Bowl champions. An unforgettable heavyweight matchup. And the Chiefs win it. Andy Reid building a dynasty in KC. And Patrick Mahomes leads Kansas City to another Super Bowl title. Ian Eagle on the call there. Oh, so there you go. You get Levy uh, and Ian Eagle. And hearing Ian Eagle do it, it makes you feel like, huh, that would be pretty cool to hear Ian Eagle call a Super Bowl in the States. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? 
Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Yeah, well, CBS has got the rights next year along with 2027, 2031. So opportunities down the road there. And, you know, it's been reported that Ian Eagle is going to start doing the, the final four as well. So, you know, we're, we're seeing that coming up also. So, yeah, you, you know, know, it'd be, by the be way, interesting. Wh- to why don't we run down the next, uh, you know, maybe 10 to 12 Super Bowls here? Yeah, so the next 12 are, are set with these, these new contracts. And so the season coming up will be CBS – Fox will have the Super Bowl in 2024. That's obviously a big story. We we touched on it briefly there, Mike. We can get back into that as well as far as, you know, Tom Brady and uh, his contract with Fox as well. 2025 NBC and then 2026 ABC back in the mix, you know, and that would be uh, Buck and Aikman. So, you know, then that's the rotation, CBS, Fox, NBC, and ABC, you know, these, uh, you know, next 12 years. So it'll be interesting to see how this, you know, continues to manifest, you know, when you look 12 years from now, you know, that that's a long time, you know, to, to assume that it'll be the same guys. But that being said, you know, one other note that we were able to come up with heading into the Super Bowl there hasn't been that many play-by-play announcers in, in the, the history of this uh, Super Bowl, all these years that the, the game's been played that have actually called Super Bowl games because so many seasons it was Pat Summerall or it was Al Michaels and most recently, you know, Joe Buck and, and Jim Nance in that rotation. Also, Kirk Gowdy did a, did a bunch of them at one point, as did Dick Enberg. But Kevin Burkhart became the 12th play-by-play announcer to ever call a Super Bowl on national TV. That is some elite company you know when when you say there's only 12 to ever do it and now kevin burkhart's one of them so congratulations to him the others you know i I mentioned michaels nance buck enberg uh gowdy also uh pat summerall who i mentioned but uh jack buck you know um called a game early on as did ray scott and jack whitaker and also greg gumbel 
called a Super Bowl um, along the way as well. So, uh, yeah, 12 have called Super Bowls from that play-by-play seat all time, and Burkhart is now one of those 12. All right, there's a wrap on the football season, and, of course, uh, it was great to talk football all season long. But now we transition to the NBA, where the NBA starts to take center stage And uh, let's take a look at what's happening because we record on Thursday and TNT Thursday night. That's their big night. And it starts when we record the pod today and they've got their biggest games happening on Thursdays. Yeah, I mean, it's a big night tonight and it it springboards into a big weekend. You know, the NBA All-Star weekend, which is happening out in Salt Lake City, Utah. Uh, Thursday night games, if you're listening to the, the podcast on Thursday, February the 16th, Bucks and Bulls, that's Brian Anderson, Stan Van Gundy, and Nabil Kareem reporting. And then Clippers Suns is the late game, Spiro Didis, Jim Jackson, and Dennis Scott. Dennis Scott's also going to be the reporter for the All-Star game, as will Brian Anderson as the play-by-play announcer. It'll be Anderson's first NBA All-Star game, and actually the second one where Dennis Scott will be reporting. I do want to mention Dennis Scott. He's kind of an interesting case. I don't know if you remember him, Mike, as a player. Obviously, you know, a sharpshooter. Of course from I Georgia do. Tech. Go Georgia Tech, baby. Or Orlando Magic, you know, had, had a great career there and that kind of thing. He took an interesting approach. When he went into broadcasting and he left the his playing career, he decided he wanted to be a reporter, not an analyst like so many former players. He expressly you know, created the intention that, hey, I want to become a reporter. And the guy he looked up to, Craig Sager. And he said, hey, I would love to become the next Craig Sager somehow. And I'm going to I'm going to continue to work on that craft as far as the the reporting role at NBA games. And he does a lot of work for NBA TV and that kind of thing. Every once in a while, you'll, you'll see him in the, the studio or maybe even in that analyst seat every once in a while. But his main focus is reporting. So I, I just thought that was kind of worth mentioning as far as when you see Dennis Scott this weekend on these TNT broadcasts, kind of kind of keep that in mind that, you know, it's not like they threw an analyst out there to be the reporter. No, this is Dennis Scott's deal, you know, as far as, you know, that reporter craft. And yeah, the NBA All-Star game gets going this weekend. There's all sorts of um, options there as far as watching the game, listening to the game on on radio and so forth, uh, you know, including all the ancillary events that happen Friday and Saturday night as well. All right, so the NBA All-Star weekend is here, and that means we are down the stretch in the NBA. Kevin Harlan, by the way, as we met on the – I I actually got a chance to sit down and talk to him uh, at Radio Row. He'll be uh, on the call for uh, All-Star night, and then the All-Star star game Brian Anderson on that traditional broadcast as you mentioned ESPN radio has Mark Kestisher who uh, has been on the podcast go back and listen to Kesty uh, he does it with PJ Carlissimo those guys have been doing it together for a while and uh, the uh, NBA all-star weekend will take us down the stretch and we'll be at the playoffs soon so we we'll see those playoff pairings uh, I was watching Sixers uh, Cavs Wednesday night it was Ryan Rucco uh, Van Gundy, Jeff Van Gundy, and I think J.J. Redick was on the broadcast. I, I really am enjoying J.J. Redick. I hope ESPN continues to use him more uh, as we move forward here. All right, let's get into college because March Madness is almost here. We're going to be having conference championships for the smaller D1s coming up here in a couple of weeks. Uh, and uh, we got Thursday night. We got big weekend of college basketball. All right, I mentioned it before, Mike, when we were talking about my – strange Super Bowl viewing habits. 
well, tonight, Thursday night in college hoops is my kind of night. Like this is the kind of stuff I, I live for because it, you can sit back, you can flip the dial and you can see all these games from different parts of the country. And, you know, there's games ranging from, you know, Houston, one of the best teams in the country at SMU with John Schriffen and Tim Welsh, UNC Asheville, which is, you know, kind of the home market team where I am here in the mountains of Western North Carolina. They're at Radford, Matt Schick on play-by-play, Dan Bonner, the, the veteran analyst, uh, Ohio State, Iowa, Kevin Brown and Robbie Hummel. Then it gets really interesting as you go into the the late night. And this is the stuff I love. We talked to Barry Tompkins about this. He used to broadcast these games way back in the day as far as, you know, Big West, West Coast Conference, that kind of thing. And, you know, sort of that, you know, trippy, dreamy feel of late night college hoops from the West Coast. Well, you got a bunch of it on Thursday night. Santa Clara, BYU with John Sadak on play-by-play. Utah, Arizona on Pac-12 Network. Roxy Bernstein, former guest of the podcast with Bill Walton. Dave Pash, who, you know, you obviously often see with Walton. He's going to be at Stanford at UCLA on ESPN2 at 11 o'clock Eastern, along with Seth Greenberg. Oregon State, Washington State, Dave Feldman on the call there with Brooke Weisbrod, Cal USC, Alex Faust and Casey Jacobson. And then 11 p.m., Gonzaga at Loyola Marymount, Rich Waltz and Dan DeCal, A.J. Ross reporting. So there's four games on national television all in that 11 p.m. Eastern slot, you know, 8 p.m. Pacific. So if you are a insomniac, a night owl, a college hoops junkie, yeah, fun night to stay up late with. Uh, and then, yes, uh, I, I I am one of those late-night junkies that like to watch those late-night college basketball games. I also like to watch, watch those early ones. little old-school Big East feel on the radio. Westwood One has T-Mac, Tom McCarthy, and Jordan Cornette doing Seton Hall UConn. That's a Westwood One radio game. We're actually carrying that in our market. ESPN Radio, uh, they will start to do a lot more college basketball. In fact, they have all the ACC Big 12 and Pac-12 tournaments, Compass Radio. They have the Big Ten tournament, and Westwood One has the Big East tournament on radio. Uh, Chris Carlin, Bobby V, Bob Valvano are going to do Illinois, Indiana on uh, Saturday at noon. Baylor, Kansas, a big one. Ryan Ratke and Ben Braun are doing that one. Dan Schulman, Jay Billis, and Holly Rowe, they're on TV. Uh, So you got some good games coming down the stretch as we get ready for March Madness. Yeah, it's it's only going to get more and more exciting as as we come down the stretch here, and you know can't wait for March Madness. What what a time of year! All right, let's transition to the ice as uh, the NHL. They just had their All Star Weekend, and down the stretch they come as uh, you're going to get a lot of hockey as ESPN Plus continues to do a lot. ESPN. Uh, I did see a little leak. I don't know if you saw this. Uh, Phil, there's a leak of the schedule for ESPN uh, coming up for April. They're going to put the Stanley Cup final games on ABC television. Uh, So that will be network TV for um, the NHL Stanley Cup finals. They were on TNT last year. They're going to get network treatment from ESPN. And then, of course, ESPN has a bunch of games. Our buddy Bob Wachusen, who was on the podcast way back when we first started this thing, with Brian Boucher and Leah Hextall are doing a game tonight, Devils and Blues. You've got Mike Monaco uh, calling the Kings and Ducks game. I love when Linda Cohn gets involved. I've had her on my show before. She is such a passionate hockey fan. Uh, so that's tomorrow night. So you got a lot of hockey. You got ABC. 
ABC, Sean McDonough, Ray Ferraro, Emily Kaplan, Kevin Weeks, Marty Smith. This is the stadium series game. Uh, and uh, Sean McDonough back on hockey, of course, now with AB, uh, ESPN. ABC's airing that game. And then Sports USA has it on the radio side. John Arrows, uh, Nick Olchek, and uh, Josh Appel uh, are on the call for that. So uh, hockey is getting a lot of uh, limelight. Yeah, and the name that pops off the page there, Mike, you mentioned him, Marty Smith. This will be his NHL debut. You don't really associate Marty Smith with with the National Hockey League. You know, he's part of that stadium series. I'm sure he's going to provide a lot of, you know, uh, fun stuff as far as, you know, the, the crowd goes and, and that kind of thing. He, he's a infectious personality, but, you know, he's a guy from the, the South. He's covered NASCAR. He covers a lot of college football and college basketball and that kind of thing. Does the Marty and McGee show with with Ryan McGee. And, you know, it's kind of kind of interesting to see Marty Smith covering a, a hockey game. Uh, Capitals in Hurricanes, ABC on Saturday night. Yep. Uh, and then uh, as we get down the stretch here, we talked about uh, ABC television. It's going to be neat to see hockey, the Stanley Cup back on the network. All right. Uh, let's transition into something new. How about it? The XFL is back. XFL 3.0. This is the third incarnation of the XFL, but it's a, you know, Kevin Burkhart and Greg Olson called these games. It's a great jumping off point. Jason Garrett was the lead analyst uh, in the XFL the last, or maybe he was in the USFL. But these spring football leagues are giving more broadcasters a shot here. So I'm interested, Phil, to see who you think are some guys to keep an eye on with these broadcasts for the XFL. Week one, Saturday and Sunday, they've got 3 o'clock and 8 o'clock doubleheaders. Yeah, you know, th- this kind of snuck up on me a little bit, you know, the fact that they're starting so quickly right after the Super Bowl. But, you know, here we go, you know, th- this weekend. And, you know, you look at the announcing teams, you know, the Tom Hart, Greg McElroy, Katie George and Cole Kubelik uh, doing that Vegas Arlington game. And, you know, other play by play announcers, including Lowell Galindo, uh, Matt Barry, John Schriffen, analysts Sam Acho, Joey Galloway, Tom Luganbill, and other reporters include Taylor McGregor, Ian Fitzsimmons, Tiffany Blackman, uh, Eric McLean down there, probably in a field analyst role. Um, so you look at those those list of names and, and these announcers who who ESPN is rolling out to handle these games, and the common denominator is they all are college football voices and that that's you know where you know most of them have done the majority of their work in the in the sport of football so it's kind of interesting as far as giving these college football announcers this opportunity to call some professional football in the spring and like you said you never know it it could uh, springboard some of these guys uh, into bigger opportunities yeah one name i guess to watch uh for me would be on that eight o'clock game on sunday harry douglas he's got the radio job now uh in the midday on espn he is the new uh, noon to two host with Jason Fitz. It's Fitz and Harry. He's a part of that broadcast team now. So is something, does he want to stay in the radio world? Does he want to get into broadcasting? That'll be an interesting dynamic there. That's John Schifrin, Tom Loganville, uh, Stormy, Stormy uh, Bonatani, who was at Radio Row. She was doing a lot of hits for getting ready for, uh, for the XFL. And then Harry Douglas is a part of that. So there's the XFL. And guess what? On Thursday... We are recording the pod as pitchers and catchers have reported. And we got a lot of baseball news here, Phil. 
Yeah, you know, so these booths continue to to sort themselves out. We're kind of running out of time when it comes to, you know, getting your your Major League Baseball booth in play, you know, with the start of the regular season just around the corner. But, you know, like you said, spring training coming right up. And, you know, some news on the Apple TV Plus has been reported, you know, both uh, some reporting from Awful Announcing and then also the the New York Post, uh, Dontrell Willis, is confirmed to be working on the broadcast this season. Also, uh, some returnees, including Trisha Whitaker, who was a reporter, and Chris Young is it, actually is not expected to be back, while other guys not expected to be back, Russell Dorsey, Stephen Nelson, also reported that Melanie Newman, who was handling a lot of the play-by-play duties, will not be back, and also Katie Nolan, which was sort of like an, a, a bit of an experiment to see how she would work in the booth, uh, will not be back as well. Uh, according to the New York Post, Wayne Rendazzo, who we talked about a couple podcasts ago, who's now the play-by-play voice of the Angels primarily, uh, he comes over from, from the New York Mets to the West Coast. Rendazzo is reportedly going to be the the primary play-by-play voice for Apple. That's according to Andrew Marchand of the the New York Post. So we'll see exactly how this shakes out. We haven't seen an announcement from Apple TV Plus, but you know it certainly seems like they're making some adjustments to their announcing teams. You know after last season, and you know some other news around Major League Baseball. The Red Sox, um, you know, have announced some some changes there. You know, once again, the the primary play-by-play announcer for the Red Sox. Dave O'Brien on Nesson Television. Uh, he'll be back, of course. Uh, Mike Monaco, who we we mentioned him quite quite often, does a lot of work uh, for ESPN. He'll be doing some play by play as well. And then the analysts, Kevin Millar and Kevin Euclid, uh, they'll continue to have big roles. You know, Dennis Eckersley retired from the booth, so he's no longer part of it. And then Lou Merloni, you know, will will be uh, part of the broadcast booth as well, um, along with Tim Wakefield and Will Middlebrooks. Uh, the Tigers, Jack Morris stepped away from his role as the, the analyst for the Tigers broadcast and a couple of new additions there to kind of uh, fill out all those spots. Cameron Mabin, who was you know working on the uh, Yankees broadcast uh, this past year, he's part of the Tigers crew along with Todd Jones. Uh, the play-by-play announcer for Tigers baseball is Matt Shepard. Um, Dan Petrie is the primary um analysts in the studio and then Kirk Gibson's part of that broadcast as well. So the Tigers seem to lend a lot on their, their history in terms of, you know, some of the names you see them uh, use. And the one we'll continue to keep an eye out is this Braves opening, you know, that big news as far as Chip Carey leaving the Atlanta Braves to go to St. Louis. So the Cardinals have Chip Carey in place, but there's still an opening for a play-by-play announcer for Braves television. And at the same time, you keep on seeing this news as far as the financial woes of Bally Sports and, you know, p- potential bankruptcy and, and things like this, which, you know, you wonder, are they able to sign a contract with a with a play by play announcer in this current environment? Huh. You know, what's going on there exactly? So we'll continue to keep an eye on the Atlanta Braves, but the time's ticking, you know, before we know it, you know, um, you know, opening day will be here. And we also have this news. Uh, baseball, of course, back ESPN and ESPN Plus are going to carry 10 spring games. That begins on uh, February the 27th. 
uh, and that is going to be multiple appearances from the Sunday Night Baseball team. Carl Ravitch, Dave Cohn, Eduardo Perez, Buster Olney. They're going to call the opener Mets and Cardinals on February 27th. You're going to get uh, Kevin Brown, Jessica Mendoza, and Tim Kirkshin on some games. Uh, so there's four games that will be on ESPN TV and then another six games that are going to appear on ESPN Plus, and that's 11 teams in total that will be a part of that package. It includes the Astros, the Phillies, uh, the Yankees, and as we mentioned, uh, the, that first game is Mets and Cardinals. You got a Nationals in there, Red Sox in there. So ESPN 10 spring training broadcast. Hey, some breaking news here, Mike. Um, as I was just talking about the Atlanta Braves broadcast, retract what I said, because obviously they did come up with what they needed to do in order to sign a contract and make an announcement. The new play-by-play voice of the Atlanta Braves, Brandon Gauden, a familiar name to to followers of this podcast and of the Twitter feed. Brandon will become the the new announcer for Atlanta Braves telecast beginning with, with this season. And uh, he comes over from Fox Sports and the Big Ten Network where he has done a bunch of MLB. He's done NFL games, college football, college hoops, you name it, uh, for the past seven years. He's also the voice these days of Madden NFL on EA Sports. Huh. Um, so he has held that since the video games Madden NFL 17th title. So congratulations to Brandon Gauden. The Braves have their play-by-play announcer in place. So, uh, yeah, some breaking news right here on the podcast. How about that? Breaking news. And, by the way, you mentioned Madden. I saw one of the voices of Madden football from the past, Tony Bruno, uh, down on Radio Row. And Tony said he would come on the pod to talk about that whole experience of what it was like to be the Madden play-by-play, how they do all that, take us through a little behind the scenes. And uh, maybe we'll have Tony on the podcast here in the near future. So I see the breaking news as well. The Twitter feed is filling up with a lot of retweets from broadcasters. And uh, he says, today is the realization of a childhood dream. Going behind the mic for the team I grew up idolizing and the team who fostered my love for both sports and broadcasting. Thanks to the Braves and Bally Sports for this opportunity. Can't wait to the, uh, can't wait to journey with this team and crew, and uh, he also tweeted out a brief summary as to why this opportunity was so special. He said the first sporting event he ever attended was Game 5 of the 91 World Series in Atlanta, Braves 14, Twins 5. He said, I can still hear the crowd after Mark Lemke's triple down the right field line in the seventh busted it open. I fell in love with Braves baseball that night at age seven. That's just a brief summary. You can follow him on Twitter to get his full expository on why this Braves job is so cool uh, to him. So there you go. Good breaking news catch by you. And that was um, Brandon Gaudin who's going to get that job. And uh, that was about a half hour ago, it looks like, that that just kind of came through. So we caught that and got it into this week's pod, episode 36, down the stretch we come. And uh, how about the French Alps? Let's go across the pond, shall we? Not many achievements missing from Michaela Schifrin's Alpine Anthology, but sizing up what would be her first ever world title in this giant slalom discipline. There it is. That is more of the patterning from this season that Michaela Schifrin comes out of the gate on a tear, put a gap 
on her rivals in the first split, and she is back to her habits that have brought her victory throughout this season in Giant Slalom. A career-high five GS wins this year for Michaela Schifrin. She has, in her past, given away first-run leads. Did so last year at the finals on this Ferry Hill. Not wanting to do it again, but an error there late. Oh, well, that mistake cost her. Michaela Schifrin. Final gates on the course in the women's giant slalom here in the French Alps. And Schifrin hangs on to the lead. And she's a first-time world champion in the GS. All right, Phil, take us through what we were watching and listening for the listeners out there in that moment. Yeah, so as we're taping this on Thursday, very early in the morning, Eastern time, uh, some history went down in the French Alps. I don't know if this story is getting covered enough because uh, Michaela Schriffen is, you know, shattering all sorts of all time records in terms of, you know, alpine skiing. And, you know, she wins the giant slalom world championship. First time she's won in that discipline and breaks the record for the most individual world championship medals with 13 in the modern era. That was Steve Schlanger, who is a longtime voice on all sorts of sports. There's a lot of this Olympic sports type coverage. And Steve Perino, who's a analyst, you know, a, a former uh, world-class skier himself on the call there. And, you know, just a, a sport we've never touched on here, Mike. And certainly, you know, that would require some, some ramp up in terms of prep goes in, in terms of learning all the, the terminology and everything to call alpine skiing but you know great call by those guys and you know just wanted to to give a shout out to a big big accomplishment in the world of sports all right there you go we give you a little um uh french alps on a uh episode of <laughs> announcer schedule podcast all right That'll do it for us. Episode 36 is in the books. we got a lot of good stuff coming up, so make sure you like, rate, review, subscribe, share the feed, leave us a comment, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're listening. Make sure you leave a review. Tell us uh, what you think. Ask questions. If you find us on Twitter, at Announcer Skeds, you can always leave questions that we'll answer on the pod. We love when we get the feedback. And uh, as always, uh, check back for episode 37 and see uh, what we got coming up. We got some great broadcasters uh, in the in the hopper, if you will. We got some people in the pipeline that are going to be coming on the show here as we transition now from football over to uh, kind of the spring season. The NBA is going to be taking center stage. March Madness, baseball's back, hockey. So we got a lot of that for you here. Uh, and the XFL, a chance for new voices to emerge in the announcer world. All right, for Phil. I'm Mike. This has been episode 36 of the Announcer Schedules podcast on Last Word on Sports. Have a great rest of your week and a great weekend, everybody. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. 
Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.